You know, a 31-year-old California schoolteacher, the mother of six children, was kidnapped some time ago by five drug addicts. She was stabbed 20 times in the back. Her captors told the police that they were warlocks, that is, male witches, and that they were devil worshipers. In Montana, some time ago, a 22-year-old social worker picked up a hitchhiker near Yellowstone National Park, and the hitchhiker then shoots his victim in the head, brutally attacks the dead body, and tells the police that he worships the devil. In Miami Beach, a 69-year-old retired woman is viciously attacked by a young woman who later tells reporters very happily that for the last five years she has been worshiping Satan, and this is her sacrifice to the devil. Story after story after story like that could be told tonight if we only had time to tell it. The scripture has a great deal to say about the devil and demons. In fact, the whole Bible is the story of a conflict between the forces of God and the forces of the devil. And the scripture I would like for you to turn to is Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, two verses. The 10th and 11th verses of Deuteronomy. There shall not be found among you anyone who maketh his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or who useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter of mediums, or a wizard. You remember the story of Saul. He broke that law of God. He had lost contact with God. God had left him. No more blessing upon Saul, the great king of Israel. And so he decided that he was going to consult a medium and try to get a message from Samuel. He consulted the medium. He was successful in talking briefly with Samuel, but he was killed shortly thereafter as the judgment of God fell upon Saul and his family. Now, Americans at this hour are vacillating, according to the latest polls, some deny the existence of the devil altogether, but others have an unnatural fascination with the devil and with demons and with exorcism and other things in the occult. And because of the success of the exorcist in many new films are being made on the subject of the devil and evil right now, a pastor who saw one of these films said recently, it was obnoxious, repulsive, disgusting, pornographic, and obscene. I myself have not seen any of these films. I do not intend to expose myself to this type of thing. But a Jesuit priest who saw one... But a Jesuit priest who saw one of these films said in his survey among university students, most students that have seen the films wish they'd never seen them. Now, what is right and what is wrong? What is false and what is true? The Bible has a lot to say about it, and I'm going to cover a big subject in a very few minutes tonight. First, the Bible teaches there is a devil. There is a devil. We meet him in the third chapter of Genesis, and we don't get rid of him till the end of the book of Revelation. 
He's all the way through the Bible. And in the Bible, we find that he's a person. He walks. He talks. He tempts. He lies. He flatters. He kills. He works miracles. He counterfeits. He oppresses. He afflicts. He influences. He destroys. He quotes and misquotes scripture. He possesses. He inflicts bodily injury. He sows discord in the church. He spreads false doctrine. Those are the things that this personality in the Bible called the devil does according to the scripture. Now he's called in the Bible, he's called Satan. He's called the devil. He's called a fallen angel. He's called a roaring lion. He's called the prince of demons. He's called a wolf, a prowler, Beelzebub, the dragon, the serpent, Lucifer, a great light, a star, a betrayer, an adversary, a wonder worker, a liar, the father of lies, the god of this world, the prince of this world, and the prince of the, and power of the air. His is described in the Bible as the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of evil, the kingdom of unrighteousness, the kingdom of hatred, sin, death, hell, and the grave. He produces false miracles, false spiritual experiences, false tongues, the father of fakery. He has a false church, a false gospel, a false plan of salvation, a false trinity, false preachers, false prophets. That's what the Bible says about the devil. Now the word Lucifer means light bearer, one who shines. It's a deceptive light. It's not the true light. It's a deceptive light. It's a false light. He promises freedom, liberty, and light. But he produces only sorrow, slavery, and death. He's a deceiver. And he's trying to deceive thousands of you young people tonight by promising you that if you'll only follow him and serve him and bow down to him and live for him, that he will give you freedom, liberty, and life. But actually, he gives you sorrow, slavery, and ultimately eternal death and hell. Now the second thing, what about demons? The New Testament makes one thing clear. There's one devil, there are many demons. You remember the story in the fifth chapter of Mark, the man of the Gadarenes? This man was possessed of a devil, many demons. And it had affected his mental, his emotional, and his physical faculties. And, he, and Jesus held conversation, not with the man, but with the demons. Jesus never talked to the man at all. He talked to the demons. And there are several things about that man that interest me today and are relevant at this hour in America. He was naked. He was a streaker. He was violent. He was violent. And look at the violence in the country. 
And he wanted, he wanted the demons to be cast, or the demons wanted to be cast into the swine, into the pigs. You see the combination you have here? You have violence, nakedness, self-destruction, and pigs. What do some of the people call the police today? Some of the more violent people. Pigs. Is there a connection? I don't know, but it's quite interesting that this demon-possessed man that Jesus encountered would have all of those things that we're wrestling with today. Now, the origin of demons, as I said a moment ago, is unclear. Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And the Bible says in Revelation 12, the devil and his angels fight against Michael the archangel and his angels. Now you say, what about exorcism? Well, do you know what the word exorcism actually means? The word exorcism means expelling spirits by a religious act or a religious service. That's how, what it means, expelling an evil spirit. And Jesus, of course, was the greatest of all exorcists. He commanded the demons and the forces of evil to come out of people. And that man that I was telling about a moment ago, he commanded this legion of demons to leave, and they left and went into the swine, and the swine went hurtling into the sea and destroyed themselves. Now, the fact of exorcism is a reality but it's misunderstood. Some of the modern interpretations originated actually in pagan practices. Magic formulas and rituals to expel evil spirits have been practiced for centuries in primitive societies, usually accompanied by violence and infliction of pain. There's one tribe in India that I read about where they take a cotton wick soaked in oil and they light it and they stuff it up the nostrils of the person who is supposed to be possessed of demons. And the cruelty of professional exorcists in many parts of the world is beyond our comprehension and understanding. Now, Matthew, the eighth chapter, tells us that when the disciples brought to Jesus many that were demon-possessed, he cast out the spirits, not with a long ritual, as we're being told today, but by a word, his word. And his disciples cast out demons, how? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by a word. The power of the name of Christ. And Mark 16, 17 says, and these signs shall accompany those who have believed in my name. They shall cast out demons. However, there's a warning. Don't go around using some sort of hocus-pocus and say, be gone in the name of Jesus. It won't work. You have got to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you have to be walking in the Spirit and you have to know that that's a demon and you have to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have the authority of God's Word back of you. Behind the name of Jesus stands the power of Almighty God. Now, how do you keep from being possessed or harassed and vexed by demons? You see, demons have power only 
that is, as far as a Christian is concerned, only when you are walking in some sin. If you allow a besetting, besetting sin to get a grip on you, you've opened the way for the demons in your life. As we walk with Christ, if you're a Christian and you're walking in the Spirit and God is with you and all known sin has been confessed and you're in fellowship with Christ, then you can walk in the middle of the most dangerous spiritual situations and be protected by God. You can claim authority for the devil and his angels. But I'll tell you what the devil will do. He'll bluff as far as he can. He'll take all the ground that you give him. Give him an inch, he'll take a foot. You say, well, how do we overcome demons when they bother us and harass us? I want you to listen to this. First of all, be sure you know Christ. I do not believe that a true believer in Jesus Christ can be possessed by a demon. You can be vexed by a demon. You can be harassed by a demon. But I do not believe the scripture teaches you can be possessed by a demon. Now, Satan filled Judas. Satan filled Ananias and Sapphira who were professing believers. We're told in scripture. But are you sure that you know Christ? Do you know that Jesus Christ lives in your heart? Have you settled it? Come to Christ tonight while you can. As Bill Cepeda said he did five years ago. As Mike said he did three years ago. Come to Christ. Surrender your life to him and make sure about that. And you will have a power living in you that is greater than he that is in the world. You will have the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in your life. And you can resist the devil, the Bible says, and he will flee from you. The second thing, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you tonight as a believer, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You can be filled not through some emotional ecstasy. You can be filled by a simple act of faith. How did you receive Christ? You received him simply by faith. All right, you're filled the same way. You can say, I am filled by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, by faith. You see, the moment you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. And as you surrender everything that he points out that's wrong in your life, then he fills you. And you're filled and you produce fruit. Now, every Christian has the gifts of the Spirit. You have a gift. I don't care who you are and how lowly a Christian you are, you have a gift. And you ought to be utilizing that gift in the body of Christ, and you ought to be utilizing that gift in witnessing for Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit is something different. The fruit of the Spirit is different than the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and so forth. That's produced by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are living in the Spirit, 
producing the fruit of the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, Satan cannot get inside of you at all. But let me tell you, sin, even the slightest little sin, will grieve the Holy Spirit and open the way for demonic activity. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor desert you. I will not forsake you. Now, the third thing, watch for the schemes of the devil. The scripture says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, the devil is going to exploit your personality quirks, the lust of the flesh, the natural physical drives that you have, hunger, as he did Jesus. He tempted Jesus when Jesus was hungry. The devil always comes to you when you're weak to tempt you, to harass you, to trouble you. Watch out for those moments when you're weak, when you're hungry. He also uses the sex drive. Sex is a powerful drive that we all have, and the devil will use it if we give him a half an inch. For our struggle, the scripture says, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And the scripture says, therefore, take up the full armor of God, that ye may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And then the Bible outlines the armor that we should have. And I want to ask you tonight if you have your armor on. Have you checked it? Is it in place? One final word. The final victory. The devil and his works and death and hell and the grave have been nullified. They've been destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. The victory is won. The victory is assured. Till that final day, there's a lot of suffering, a lot of fighting, a lot of battling, but we're on the winning side. And the scripture teaches that Jesus Christ has won the victory. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. There's power in the blood. Do you know Christ? Are you sure that he's in your heart? Do you have this power to resist this onslaught of Satan today in every area of our lives? You can have this power. You can have Christ into your life. You can receive him and let him forgive your past sins and make you sure of heaven and give you a supernatural power here and now by the Holy Spirit to live a new life. You can be born again.